Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hit Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a podcast for women who are chasing epic and everyday adventures on their bikes. We are a production of Live Feisty Media and hosted by Christy Moan and Katherine Taylor. Hey, <laughs> we literally, before we started hitting record, we're just talking about how our bodies are falling apart. <laughs> yeah. I don't we're know what like you're two, talking ladies. to. You were not talking to me. I was not <laughs> on the other side of that conversation. I don't know who you're talking to. Meanwhile, me and my arthritic bones over here are wrapped up in a cozy, warm blanket. <laughs> that someone <laughs> sent me for Christmas. Thank you very much. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. The whole podcast interview, I was like, shifting around. I think it's because I've been doing a lot, well, more cycling than I normally do. And then sitting all day and, you know, like then that hip flexor area just starts to hurt. So I need to do some stretching. Yes. Roll that thing. My least favorite thing to do. I know. I know. (laughs) How you been? Good. Good. We, you know, I think I said last week we had a hectic start to the week. Right. Martine was down with COVID, but we're getting back into the swing of things and no more snow here. So yeah. Bring it I, on 2022, right? I, I was actually scheduling something for Friday, Tuesday when we're recording this. And I was like, oh, I put it on the wrong day because it's on the 14th. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's already the middle of January. Stop. I know. I know. I know I, I've got some commitments to myself that, you know, I'm going to get a bunch of stuff done before the end of January. And I was like, Oh, I'm not changing that. Like <laughs> I got to get on it. So January 28th, they're going to be like all pulling all nighters, <laughs> pulling all nighters. Yeah, for sure. Back to college. And, and you're back in Kansas this week. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Kansas. The place is in well, Missouri, right? Kansas city, well, Missouri, or is it Kansas city, Kansas? It's Kansas City, Missouri, but literally I could, it's on the state line. It's, but you're back in Emporia. I'm back this in Emporia. It looks like you're, you're not in the I'm, closet this week. I'm not in my recording studio. I'm, <laughs> in, I'm in my office. I'm calling it a recording studio, damn it, Catherine. Damn it, <laughs> once Catherine. You get, once you get better Wi-Fi in there, we'll call it your recording studio. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just move it in there. It's Google Fiber. It's Google Fiber. fiber. <laughs> I love it. Um, no, I, I like recording where I can smell my shoes. So, no, I mean, it's it works. It the works. Sound, the sound quality is good. It works. Yeah. I have a friend that she was an engineer. She went to Georgia Tech and she has a podcast. And I've seen her where she built a box that she puts around her whole podcast setup that has like foam mm-hmm. around the inside to make the the like recording studio sounds right just i'm not just stop that noise boom yeah i'm not that committed to build a box to go around my body for podcast but yeah I'm, yeah i'm not either but i will go into my closet my recording studio so yeah <laughs> uh so when this comes out it'll be the last day for the lottery for unbound right the 18th, oh, the 18th. is that next tuesday yeah oh wow yeah hope you signed up <laughs> don't call <Hope> me now <laughs> hope we see you there 
<laughs> Quit, Don't get on the computer. Email <laughs> Treva. Yeah, better luck with her. <laughs> Don't send us a message to Girls Gone Gravel. I have no pull. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's insane. It's great. It's a such it's such a good problem to have. But I will tell you that is, you know, announcement day is my least favorite day of the year. So just yeah. yep. There's I'm sure. I'm not going to be that worried about it this year. So um, if I don't look sad or have any sympathy, it's because, yeah, I, I'm going to try really hard to just, it is what it is. There's, we can only take so many people. So, and I'm grateful that there's so many people that want to come to Emporia, Kansas, um, but I'm not going to be depressed after. When, when is the announcement day? Um, it's, it's on or before I want to say, I'm going to get it wrong. So I'm not going to say it. It's the end of January, somewhere in there. It's on our website. I think it's the 26th, but I'm not, I don't have it memorized. So this might be privileged information, but how do those lotteries work? Like, are they computer generated? Um, we have, um, some initiatives that we pull for like the women, you know, um, Mm -hmm. and then, um, we do pull for, uh, people that are going for their goblet for their thousand mile finish. Um, and then people that live in Emporia, um, Kansas, they get pulled for the lottery. So, um, and then, um, you know, this, I mean, of course, one of the things that makes it complicated is we still are dealing with deferrals that, you know, you can't forget we're still dealing with leftover COVID. Um, I mean, COVID's not left over either, but the effects of canceling in 2020 are still playing a factor. But once, you know, I mean, that's, that's a portion of it. And then, then the rest is a, is a, yeah, computer generated draw. So. That would be real stressful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know some of the other big races I saw, I'm in this SBT group and I saw some people were real mad that SBT went to a lottery because they felt like it wasn't fair to people that want to come back. I was like, but it's not fair to everybody else that can't just, not, I mean, computer. I believe me, I sit there and think about that. And I'm like, yeah, you think it's great if you've gotten in and now you get preference, but what if you hadn't gotten in and you're thinking yeah. I'm never going to get a chance because everybody goes back. So, you know, yeah. um, I think the things that we've done, I mean, I know, I think our volunteer way in is a really good solution. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if somebody comes and volunteers, they get guaranteed for the next year, right? Yeah. If you volunteer, there are certain jobs and if you volunteer 10 hours, you get a guaranteed spot into the next year's event and you can have a friend volunteer hours with you too. So, I mean, I know it's not, I, I get it. I get that. That's not like possible or whatever, but I'm like, there's ways that we keep trying to like make it so that it's accessible if you're really committed to coming and coming for the weekend anyway, like it's not going to hurt you to come see the event if you've never been. Yeah. It's pretty fun to watch. It's fun to watch. It's fun to volunteer. The expo is going to be lit. So (laughs) I wanted, I told Allie Tetrick, I was like, I want Blaze to do, maybe we'll have him as a podcast guest but how to be a great SAG support yeah. because he's a really great SAG support. And there were things that going, cause I, you know, we just were doing coverage, but now I have a bunch of friends that are doing it this next year. And I'm like, Oh, there are things I can tell you about what you need to do. Like if you have somebody out there supporting you um, from just being there and watching him and then even just watching how he would like, anyway, we'll have him. He might be our first guys gone gravel guest guy gone gravel. Let's not let Allie interview him though. (laughs) No, he there will be no talking on his behalf if Allie interviews him. (laughs) So yeah, but she was very excited about the idea of him being on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, the question is, is the bear excited? So (laughs) she assured me that he would do it. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, he'll do it. I'm asking if he's gonna be excited. (laughs) Yeah, maybe not. But uh, but there's a lot of even if you're even if you're not supporting somebody in a race the size of Unbound, if you're supporting anybody any race, I think there's a lot of good things to learn. Um, we always call them Sherpa <clears throat> in triathlon. But I do remember like the first Ironman I did was back in the day when Ironman was filling up, you know, and like some of those races would fill up in two minutes. 
and you would just be sitting at your computer yeah. with everything already filled out and just praying, like hit the, you know, that's praying that you got in the lottery. Cause it just, cause that's no fun for anybody either. Yeah. yeah. Three seconds. Yeah. The first, and then the, like, first time, the first, the last year we did the open registration, it, it, I don't, I think we told people five minutes, but we knew like bike reg was overloaded. It was, it was gone before yeah. it even opened. There were so many people in queue that it was just a cluster. Yeah. There was actually a race in Georgia. It might've actually opened the same day as unbound. I don't know what, no, it would have been on, it opened the same day as another big race. I feel like it was the same day as unbound. It was a run race. So I don't know why it would have been on bike reg, but, um, it crashed the system. Like nobody could get on because like two big races that everybody tried to get into opened at the same time and it just crashed their whole system. Yeah. I mean, and bike reg was ready for us and it still awesome. crashed their system. So, so yeah. Anyway, that's behind the scenes stuff. And it's that's all the, now, you know, all the behind the scenes of signing up for events. Yeah. There you go. Well, um, we have somebody that does a lot of events like <laughs> day. She was telling us about her eight week schedule of her. No <laughs> dice for me. No, thank you. And I was like, oh my gosh, but I don't think anything wears her out. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah, she, I mean, she's built like, you know, she's built for it. She's ready for it. She's an energizer bunny bunny. She's like, go, 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 go. Yeah. So we have Hannah, Hannah. Yeah. She's, she's young. We have Hannah Otto on the podcast today who, uh, you may know her as Hannah Finchamp. She got married in November and all her socials are still under Hannah Finchamp. Although I feel like Finchamp is a good name, like the champ part of it to keep. If you're trying to go for like champ auto, yeah, but I do like the palindrome. Yeah. So, uh, it was a very energetic conversation. She also has lots of great tips um, Mm -hmm. for staying strong as you ride. So we we will get on to our interview with Hannah Finchamp. Christy, have you ever been out riding and stopped at a sketchy gas station and been like, I want to go in, but I don't know what to do with my really expensive, nice bike. Uh, Yes, that always stinks. Those situations are never fun. I know. And especially if you're by yourself and there's nobody to stay outside and watch the bike for you. Yeah. Exactly. You, like have to drive right by that nice cold Coca-Cola <laughs> or bag of potato chips. Well, I have a feeling we have a way to fix that. We do. We have a brand new podcast sponsor. Auto lock. Auto lock. So auto lock is a company that creates these great locks. They're cinch locks. So they're small, lightweight, and easy to carry. And they all have combination lock codes. So you can put it in your bike bag. You could even just leave it strapped around your seat post and Perfect. it just makes it easy to lock your bike to anything or even somebody else's bike. It's ideal for theft deterrent. Um, all the locks have Kevlar in them, so they're really hard to cut. And I think it's just great to have an option wherever you are to always have a lock with you. Yep. And the cool thing is, is they're giving all of our listen listeners a chance at 25% off if you want to buy a cinch lock. Well, I think it's any of their locks on their website. Oh, that's awesome. So, that's even better. I know. Cause they also have that, um, you lock on there as nice. well. So if you need something more heavy duty, if you're riding around in a city, so you just go over to autodesignworks.com and you're going to get 25% off at checkout and free shipping for us customers only. If you use the code girls gone gravel at checkout. Again, it's autodesignworks.com and 25% off with Girls Gone Gravel at checkout. Auto lock, hide it in your sock, take it around the block. Hi, Catherine. You were deliberately pausing there. I know. (laughs) I was just like staring at you. Lindsay will probably take the pause out. (laughs) I think she should leave it in there. (laughs) Uh, Is it freezing in Kansas? Well, it's not, it was, it was kind of a beautiful day. Honestly, it, it, it's just me. So yeah, you have on a toboggan and a blanket toboggan. Is that what this is? Is that what you call a hat? What do you, I don't know. They call it a toque in Canada. I do know that whenever we're on a call with the Canadians, they'll be like, I like your toque. And I'm like, 
What's this? This is a toque. Yeah, Don't they call it a stocking cap in the Midwest? Yes, it's a stocking cap. Oh, Thank you, Hannah. <laughs> Coming to my rescue here. Our guest knows. Um, I mean, I'm I'm from the West. We just call it a beanie, but oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Beanie. Nice. Well, I don't know actually what they call it in the South because you don't wear them that much in the South. And I just moved to the Pacific Northwest. So I don't know. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I, we I, have with us cold weather here, here. So, but yeah, sorry. I interrupted you. No, you're fine. Uh, if you heard another voice, we are pretty excited to have somebody that's experienced in cold weather, although she's not in cold weather right now. Um, is, we have with us Hannah Finchamp. I'm Hannah. Hi, <laughs> thanks for having me. And you just got married. Are you still keeping your last name Finchamp or are you, and am I saying it wrong or? Have You're you- saying it right. I actually realized as you said it though, that I should have said before, yes, I've changed my name. So I'm Hannah Otto. Hannah Otto. Nice. Yes. That's a good German name. German last name. It is. Yes. And I'm very excited because now my entire name is a palindrome. So that's <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> there's something there I love that it can definitely make a good logo some some artist out there is excited about it (laughs) (laughs) well you are kind of a a privateer right you you've gone the privateer route which we'll get into a little bit later but um you could like have your own logo and everything I could see it on a van yeah yeah I think these are all spoilers for the future probably (laughs) (laughs) I love it (laughs) So good. Oh, I love that. Being a, being a daughter of an English teacher, that's like making me super happy. (laughs) Yeah. I was, I was writing your name down earlier going, Oh, it's a palindrome. That's cool. I didn't even think about that with your last name. So very cool. So how long have you been, um, Hannah Otto? Um, we got married on November 6th. So just about two months. Yeah. Still very new. Oh, have you changed it on Instagram? I haven't even looked. It's a slow change. My handle has my last name in it. So that's a big one to try and figure out. But like my little bio name has changed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you're a professional athlete, it's harder too, right? Because you build this name recognition around your name. Well, it's funny changing it with social security, passports, driver's license. That's the easy part. It's changing <laughs> Instagram and my email that proves to be the most difficult. So. <laughs> That's hilarious. The important things. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> well, we got to first meet you this past summer at Leadville when you were getting ready to race the Leadville 100 and had a short little interview with you. Uh, and wanted to have you on the podcast, but then you were busy getting married and like finishing your season. Um, so we'd love for the audience to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, you've done some really rad things in the gravel scene, but, uh, you're best known as being a mountain biker, but kind of take us back and tell us how you got into cycling and what the path was that led you here. Yeah, I had, uh, I mean, everyone's path to cycling seems somewhat non-traditional because it's a non-traditional sport, but I, um, I started in triathlon at nine years old, which is always an interesting way to start the story. Cause then it begs, how did you get into triathlon at nine years old? So I started, um, playing soccer, which is a much more normal sport for a young kid to be in. And I just felt like I never got tired on the field, I would ask to show up to the games early or stay at practice late so I could run laps around the field. And so one day I asked if I could do a running race. Um, and at that running race, I saw a booth that advertised a triathlon. I pointed to it and I said, I want to do that. Uh, and so my mom signed me up for a little junior kids triathlon camp. And I went and for the next 10 years of my life, I raced triathlon. So I raced triathlon from nine to 19 years old. I raced on-road draft legal triathlon. I raced off-road the Xterra triathlon. And at age 16, I won the overall amateur Xterra world championship title. And at the finish line of that race, uh, Shawnee Van Landingham was standing there waiting for me and said, my managers want to speak with you. And that was the manager of the then cliff pro team and i was recruited onto the cliff pro team 
uh, at age 17 for triathlon. And I raced triathlon for them for a few years. And then at age 20, they asked me if I would like to transition away from triathlon and into mountain biking with them. And at the time it was just the most remarkable opportunity I could imagine. And so I took the leap and at 20 years old, I tried my hand at mountain biking as a single sport and the rest is history because I absolutely fell in love with it. And here I am now branching into gravel as well. So I'm just all two wheel, two wheel type of racing now. Did your parents do any triathlons or anything like that? Or no, nope. <laughs> just me. <laughs> <laughs> they so had to really have thought you funny. were nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny, actually. You know, at nine years old, you know, kids do all kinds of things, right? Baseball, right. soccer, and their parents don't have to play the sport. So to me, at that age, it was just like, yeah, who cares? I mean, like you play baseball, your parents didn't play baseball. That's totally normal. Now, in hindsight, as an adult, I'm like, oh, my gosh, the learning curve that I put my mom through to try and learn how to pack up a bike and bring me to all these races and do all these things. It's pretty crazy, but I'm, I'm extremely grateful for that. Yeah. Well, and that race in Hawaii is supposed to be rather tough, <laughs> the, that course, the bike course. <laughs> I've heard lots of stories about that, just the craziness of that course. Yeah, the, I mean, I still have such a soft place in my heart for Xterra. The races are so fun and that race in particular, I did it many times and, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a brutal, a brutal race, everything from, you know, huge waves in the swim to the climbs on the bike. And then just the run, like, gosh, some of the climbs are so steep. It's hard to run up them, but also just the heat in general. So I think, I think that was Xterra triathlon was probably my first, well, definitely my first introduction to that sort of, um, gosh, just really gnarly, like can't quite get your head around it type of racing. They honestly gravel is too, where you're just mm -hmm. out there and it's like, don't think about the next two hours because it's unfathomable. Just think about the next five minutes and that's how you're going to make it through this whole race. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, Lindsay, our podcast editor is going to be so excited because she races Xterra and she took her pro card last year or the year before the pandemic, you know, like there wasn't a lot of racing in the pandemic here. So, oh, that's so, so exciting. <laughs> you're welcome, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> So then how long have you been racing mountain bike? So yeah, I, so I, well, that's where it gets a little messy because I was racing Xterra, which is on the mountain bike, but in terms of just mountain biking, um, so I would do some mountain bike races, which I would consider as training quote unquote for those Xterras. So I raced all of the Nika races in high school and, um, Gosh, I just really feel like, especially becoming a privateer and everything this year, that everything I've done has really led to a lot of these moments. So, you know, I raced Nike just thinking, hey, I, you know, this is great training. Like, I love racing my bike, but falling in love with Nike led me to want to find a college that had a collegiate cycling team as well, even though I was still a triathlete. So I went to college, rode on the cycling team, I swam on the swim team. I ran cross country and track division two. Um, and then it wasn't until my junior year that I officially made that transition to just be a mountain biker at age 20. And I just turned 26 in December. So for, it's a very long winded way to say I've considered myself a mountain biker for about six years, but I've been racing mountain bikes for quite a while. Did you study when you were in college? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. College was, um, I actually double majored. You got this. I'm, I'm going to bed. I'm so exhausted. <laughs> yeah. College, college is a whole nother story in and of itself for me. Um, you know, I, like I said, I swam and ran division two. 
I rode on the cycling team. So I raced cyclocross, rode and mountain bike for the collegiate cycling team there. And I double majored. Um, I majored in athletic training, which is a healthcare profession. So I had to get clinical hours in their uh, athletic training rooms and work with various teams and work with physicians, PTs, et cetera, et cetera. And then I also uh, got another major, another degree in exercise science, which is more of the coaching side. So college was very busy for me. I actually had to look long and hard for a college that would even allow me to do all of those things. A lot of the colleges that I spoke to were like, mm, we'd rather you just pick one. Uh, one of my first days in college, I went into the advisor's office and told them I wanted to do all of this. And they said, you'll never graduate in four years. And I said, watch me and then <laughs> switched advisors the next day. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's definitely been a story of, of determination and just following, honestly, just following passions, which I think is the biggest thing that I see is if you're passionate enough about something, you'll get it done. Well, and I mean, it really lends itself, like you said, to the whole privateer life. I mean, you're doing this, obviously you have some phenomenal sponsors, um, but the way that all works is that you have to be driven and committed in and of, in and of yourself to make that all fit together. So yeah, it's all led you to the spot for sure. So exactly. And I think that, um, it, yeah, it, it's just really all come. This is the culmination. I feel like of so many of those journeys that I've been on and personality traits that I have and things that I've learned across the years is, you know, the teams are great. Like my, my time on the teams, I think are a huge part of my story. Um, and definitely something I needed in those times to learn and to grow. And, you know, if I had tried to be a privateer three years ago, it simply wouldn't have worked because I didn't know what I know now. And I needed other, I frankly, I, there were times that I, I needed my teammates in order to have those sponsors because you need to be able to say, Hey, sponsor these world champions. And then also you'll sponsor me, <laughs> you know, which it, it, that's part of this team structure and that's great. And, you know, I, um, but I think that was kind of a moment that I had partway through this season as I got this idea thinking, you know, I, I think it's time. I think I can do this. I think I'm ready. I think I know the ropes enough that if I find the right partners, I'll be able to do this. Um, and the finding the right partners is obviously the biggest key in all of that because, and really honestly, the motivation behind so much of it is I started looking at the next three, four five years of my career and started thinking to myself, what do I want to accomplish and who do I want to accomplish it with? Because now's the time to start planning that. And so that was a big thing in talking with my, the potential sponsors is I didn't just want to work with a sponsor that was okay with the plan that I had. I wanted to work with a sponsor that was stoked on the plan that I had that when I said, Hey, this is what I want to do. Their response was, Oh my gosh. Yes. And, you know, not, Oh, okay. And so I, and so that's, one of the reasons I feel so incredibly passionate about every brand that I'm working with now is that they all, um, when I said, Hey, this is what I want to do now. This is the trajectory of my next three years. These are my goals. Every single one of them stepped up to the plate or felt that same burning desire within their brand or their company to be like, yes, we love this. We're excited by this. We want to walk in that with you. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm just so jazzed up the season is I feel like I've created this little, you know, or found or whatever the really, you know, just this amazing team of people that are, you know, all just all in. Um, and that's what it takes in this sport is, is being all in a lot of the time. So, so who are they? Cause now we're all really curious <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I also want to know what these like three to five year yeah. goals yeah. are. And so yeah. just, all the questions, if anybody's now. listening, all the questions. just to, to set this up, if they, if you don't know, 
not going to assume like everybody follows the pro gravel field. Like you can be on a team. So like Hannah was on teams for a long time and then you can go out and kind of create your own sponsors. And then from what I understand, like it kind of depends on who you end up connected with, but a lot of people that are privateers, there's the, you get to build your own path, but also then you have to like take on all the things like, well, now I have to get myself to all the races and like, so you take on a lot more responsibility where a team would have done that before, but then also you get to kind of create your own thing instead of a team telling you what to do. Would that be accurate? Yeah. It's like, um, being a privateer is like creating your own one man team. Um, or something that maybe a lot of people outside of the sport, it's a lot like running your own business, like going into business for yourself. And so, um, it's, it's usually as a professional athlete, you're going to have your budget for the season and then you're going to have your salary because that's part of what makes you a professional is you get paid to do it. And so you, you know, you should sit down at the beginning of the year, the season or whatever, and look at, Hey, this is all the expenses it's going to take in order to get me to all these races. This is the salary that I'd like to make. And then you have to go out and you need to piece that together via different sponsors, um, investments in you. And that's going to come typically that will come from a variety of sponsors of different sponsors. And so it's all adding up to create, this possibility for you to run this own program. So, um, so my two co-title sponsors are Pivot Cycles and DT Swiss. So they are leading um, at the head of my program. And then some other really big partners that I have are Valet, The Feed, and Kenda. Um, and then I have some other, some other uh, smaller ones as well, but those are really the main five that I want to give a big shout out to right now because they've been just really amazing, even in these first couple of weeks of getting it all launched. And gosh, I've just been so excited and thrilled <laughs> for the last, what, it's January 10th, right? And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like every day feels so exciting. So yeah. Really fun. And then what are those plans? Can you tell us? Yeah, what are, goals, what are your goals and dreams in three to five years? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. This is why we say sport is vulnerable because you have to be willing to like speak these things into existence. But um, yeah, I think, you know, for me, a really big thing is the Olympics. Um, you know, ever since being a little kid, I've, I've dreamed of the Olympics. And I think a lot of people say that, um, but you know, in 2020, I was a part of the Olympic long team and gosh. So for those who don't know, the Olympic long team is, um, at the beginning of an Olympic year, USA cycling will select a number of athletes that they, that are in consideration for the Olympic team. So in 2020, they selected six women and ultimately three would go to the games. So from my perspective, I felt like I was very close (laughs) in terms of, you know, being six out of however many would love to go. And that was a huge, huge honor and a huge goal achieved for me. And I just, I feel so blessed to have had that opportunity. And part of that opportunity was learning also what it takes to be in that final three um, because I missed it. I didn't, I didn't make it. And I'm, while I would have loved to make it, I'm also really grateful for that opportunity to learn some of what that heartbreak means to learn what that process was to get to rub shoulders with the women who did make it and to experience the Olympics and the Olympic dream in a much more personal, um, in a much more personal way than we just see on TV. And, So now stepping back and saying, I want to go to the Olympics in 2024. Oh my gosh, that is a huge, just knowing what that takes. It's a huge undertaking. Um, You know, not just physically, it takes so, so much. And so having partners behind me that are excited about that, that have had athletes sponsored by them before go to the Olympic games. I think makes a huge difference. Um, and knowing that I have their support in that endeavor is huge. And so, you know, that's definitely a big goal of mine. And 
with that comes going to world cups. It comes gaining UCI points and, you know, traveling the world to fulfill the stream. And all of that said, I think part of what also makes me unique is it just doesn't feel like that's quite enough either. Like I want to pursue cycling in all the different ways. I'm so excited by all these really unique events coming in on the calendar. And I want to show young athletes that you don't have to choose, that you can do it all. Um, And I feel like that's, as you can tell in college and growing up in triathlon, I feel like that's been a mantra for a lot of my life is I'm not going to choose. I'm going to do it all. I can do it all. And so, you know, I want, I'm going to be a part of the lifetime series. You know, I want to race these gravel events. I want to do the epic rides and I want to, to, to just, I want to just love racing my bike. And I want to share that with everyone that I can. And so I also wanted to partner with brands that were excited about, you know, that wide variety that didn't kind of give me a, oh gosh, look when I said that, but instead we're like, okay, let's do it. You know? And I think this year, my calendar is really robust. I'll be on the road sometimes eight weeks at a time, going back to back to back, flying to Europe, flying back, flying back to Europe. Um, but gosh, that just makes me so excited. <laughs> we get you an airline sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> I should point out that Christy and I are like ready to tuck into bed because we recorded this in the evening and Hannah, like she's been trading all day today at camp and is wide awake and super yeah. excited. Super excited. <laughs> so no, I energy. haven't ever seen anytime I've talked with Hannah, there's two things that, that immediately, um, strike me. And one is just your insane positivity and, and just, I mean, these brands are very lucky to have you as an ambassador and speaking for them um, just from your genuine and, and authentic self is just is just so positive to be around. And then the second thing is like always smiling, like whatever photo you send of us, if you could make sure you have mud in your grill, that would be <laughs> it's just like it's like the classic in my mind. It's the classic Hannah auto shot is like, you know like enjoying it and suffering and yet just all in. So you're all in. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, a happy athlete is a fast athlete. And so you couldn't have said anything better. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you got the fast down too. So, (laughs) um, I think, you know, looking back, um, and I don't know if it was your first gravel event, but the first gravel event that I saw you race was Mid-South 2020, right before the world, um, as mm-hmm. we know it, you know, as we knew it changed to the, to, to the world as we know it. Um, and that was definitely a tough mud South. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that was, was that your first big gravel race or had you done some others before that? Yeah, that was my first big gravel race for sure. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I don't even, yeah, it was, um, probably different than any other gravel race I'll ever do potentially. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Who knows? I think that's one of the fun things about gravel though, is that no yeah. two races are the same. Um, and so, you know, that's something that I love about it. And something, I mean, something that I love about all off-road riding is just no two days on the bike, on the trails, on the course are ever going to be the same. And that's probably one of my favorite moments in these really long gravel races is when you're like three, four hours into a six plus hour race. And you're looking around, there's a million different ways that this race could finish. Mm-hmm. And we're already so far into it. And I think that's just so exciting. <laughs> that's amazing. So what do you have on your gravel calendar for this year? Yeah. So for the gravel races, I'll be doing, um, crusher and tusher and the big and big sugar. So, um, those two big ones in the lifetime, uh, grand prix series. So I'm super excited. I've never done either of those before, but I've heard that they both come with 
some pretty big challenges between climbing and uh, seemed like there was a lot of carnage at Big Sugar last year. So I'm excited to see what I can do there. <laughs> Are you taking Unbound as your buy? I am. Yeah, I will. That's that's maybe where I draw the line with with trying to do it all is it might be a little bit much to try and switch between some of these Olympic style events and then go towards a 12 hour race that that might be my limit. <laughs> we found it. We found Hannah's limit. <laughs> that's amazing. I wanted to ask you too. I noticed on your um Instagram, you incorporate a lot of strength training and you even do some like little tutorials and mention that to people. And, um, yeah, that seems to be something that's really important to you. And it makes sense then also looking at your kind of your background and your degree. And I think it's something that all cyclists know, like that's something we should be doing, but how do you incorporate it? Like, why is it important? Um, so you, that seems to be something that's part of your just routine. Definitely. Yeah. I think, um, I think strength training is important for a wide variety of reasons. You know, one, obviously the core strength, the muscular strength, I think, especially on the mountain bike, um, we have a lot of all out power moves, like to get to the top of a little climb or something like that, where it is important to just flat out be strong then, you know, on these really long races, the muscular endurance is really important. It's really important to have that strong core to resist rotations and things like that. Um, I also think that the feeling is really important for a lot of people. I think it's important to experience yourself being strong. Um, and I think, you know, for all people, but especially women, it's really important because cycling is a non weight bearing sport. And so that's something that I talk to a lot of the athletes that I coach about is that, you know, we're not building bone density when we're on the bike. Um, and so we need to build it in other ways so that our body is strong because we will probably take a crash every single season and our bones need to be strong enough to withstand those crashes and strong enough to withstand you know, normal wear and tear later in life. We don't want to be brittle skeletons just because, you know, cycling is so good for so many other joints, like the knees and things like that. It's one of the best activities you can do, but it doesn't strengthen your bones. And so strengthening, I think is, is a really critical part of that. I like that concept of feeling strong that, I mean, like that, it, yeah, it was kind of a little light bulb moment over here. Cause I've been been so focused on so much weightlifting the last year and a half or so and did a workout the other day. And I was like, she's that, I, that was, that was hard. And I did it and I felt strong through it. And I keeping Absolutely. that in mind. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of what we build when we first start strength training are these neuromuscular connections. Like sometimes, you know, for the first several weeks that we're strength training, we improve so rapidly and sure you're getting a little stronger, but most of it is the neuromuscular connection. And sometimes when people hear that, they're like, oh man, I didn't get stronger. But to me, that's one of the things that I feel like I almost value the most in the gym because I did. Now I have science to back up those things, but I don't have science to back up the next thing, which is, I feel like when I build those neuromuscular connections, I can feel it, you know, like you do the box jumps. And at first you're like, I am jumping as hard as I can. I don't understand why I can't go higher. And then all of a sudden, like this, that connection happens and you're like, oh, okay. Like my body all of a sudden just figured out how to jump. Um, and I think just like <laughs> literally having your brain tell your muscles how to do things better, I think is, I mean, it's huge. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, well, it, that you bring a good point because I think there's a lot with the strength and the gym work that has to do with body awareness too, like you were saying, and you can tell when you're riding with somebody and they don't have great body awareness of how mm -hmm. their position is on the bike or how to change their position or how to even control their bike with their core or, I was riding with some people once and, um, we had to carry our bikes up some stairs. And like, I could tell this was hard for some of the group to carry their bike. Mm -hmm. well, granted, a few of them had some really heavy bikes, but <laughs> yeah, 
you know, um, like just being kind of prepared for anything and, and, and having that body mm-hmm. awareness and the ability to, to know how your body is moving within mm-hmm. space, which is the same thing as body awareness, but whatever. But, and learning <laughs> in what positions you're strong, you know, if you learn that in the push up position, you have so much more control, you're so much less likely to allow your body to collapse or to keep your elbows down or something on the mountain bike. Like you want to be in that strong sort of push up position, you know, and even pull up to get a biker. I suck. (laughs) (laughs) But it's all just like some of these muscles we don't, you know, if you tell the average person on the street to engage their lats, it's like, what even, what, (laughs) you know? Oh, and so a lot, so a lot of strength training can be as simple as learning how to engage some of these muscles. Yeah, that's true. Are there other things you put into practice like nutrition or sleep, or what are some of the other things that you do to get the best out of yourself when you're in these, with these big goals? Absolutely. I think that's something that I continue to learn. And one of the things that I love about cycling and this pursuit is we can always, always, always be better. And there is always someone out there that is better in, in everything. Um, and so it's this really fun, endless chase of trying to improve yourself. So yeah, all of the above, I think, you know, I have the feed on board for nutrition this year, which I'm super excited about. Um, for a wide variety of reasons. One's they, one, they really focus on the science behind it. And two, you know, I think nutrition on the bike is a critical aspect, um, especially for some of these races like Leadville that can be, you know, it can, that can be the make it or break it. Um, and so working on that every day in training, and then, you know, I've, I've always found, found that recovery, um, is often the limiter, you know, for me, for me, it's easy to get myself to do the work. It's harder to get myself to do the recovery. So you nailed it when you said, you know, sleep and all of those things of, you know, taking the time to stretch and foam roll and, and just all of the above. There's always more you can be doing rest days. <laughs> yeah. It's really hard for all of rest us. Rest days. Yeah. Making, you know, injury prevention, um, you know, all of those things, making sure you're taking care of your body before it asks you to take care of it. Good yeah. tips. I've done the opposite way too many times. <laughs> I think we all have. You're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, this is so fun. So, uh, we're going to see you at those two gravel events this year, and then you'll primarily be doing mountain bike outside but of you'll that. You'll be at Leadville too, right? I don't, Christy I might be. be at Leadville. I okay. probably won't be this year because we're not, uh, I'm not going to SBT this year. Okay. So, but you never know. Maybe I'll decide to take a vacation up to Leadville. <laughs> Just walking up and down the hill. That's <laughs> really hard work. So, I can't imagine riding my bike in that. <laughs> I'm really excited for that event this year. I think it's going to be a blast. <laughs> You've had good success there too, though. Like you've, you've had good days out there. Yeah. I mean, last year was my first time there and I, um, I finished fourth, which I was absolutely elated by. I feel like I just learned so much out there that day. So I'm really excited to go back and try and try to put what I learned in practice. I feel like one of the things I also learned is that anything can happen, but for sure. Yeah. Gosh, like Rose is just incredible that day. And I feel like just watching her, I learned a lot out there. So we'll see she's if I can channel some of that. that. Yeah. Yeah. She just, she yeah. just executes her plan. Exactly. She's so calm. She's so calm. Yeah. It's impressive. Yeah, it is. It is. Maybe that's being the mom of the group there. <laughs> Maybe. And nobody's yeah. talked to you into doing the double, the SBT the next day. I mean, some have tried. <laughs> that might be another line I have to draw. So the Leadville, I'm going to get it slightly off, but the Leadville is a pretty uh, crazy part of my season, which it basically goes the national championship for mountain biking, World Cup, World Cup, Leadville, one weekend off, World Cup, World Cup. So it's going to be a really exciting. All right, we'll give you that. <laughs> Again. <laughs> going to bed. (laughs) Well, Hannah, it's been so awesome talking to you. I'm glad we were able to make this happen. 
So yeah, yeah thank you both so much. This is super fun. Yeah. Uh, t- before we close out, just tell people where they can find you if they yeah. want to follow you. We kind of went over a little bit at the beginning, but where, which accounts do they actually follow? Or do you have a website or how can they follow your adventures this year? Yeah, the uh, the best place to follow me on social is on Instagram. So it's Hannah underscore Finchamp. Um, so my previous last name. So that's Finchamp is Finn and Champ, um, F-I-N-C-H-A-M-P. And then you can also follow along on my website, my blog. I post a race recap after every race. So it's a great place to follow me during the season. And that's uh, HannahFinchamp.com. Nice. Awesome. Well, we will make sure everybody follows you on all of those places. And thank you again. Thank you. Hey friends, Catherine here, and I want to invite you to join our Girls Gone Gravel Adventures team. Whether you're preparing for your first big bike trip, lining up at a starting line, or just learning to clip in for the first time, it's more fun with a community to cheer you on. This team is a non-competitive team focused on creating a supportive space for cyclists of all levels. We want to make it easy to find the resources you need. So here's what you're going to get. You're going to get a place to connect with like-minded cyclists. You're going to get opportunities to learn from experts like Kristen Legan, Scotty Lechuga, Laura DeCrescenzo, and more. And you're going to get discounts and early access to events and other fun things. So I hope you'll join us. Just check it out at girlsgonegravel.com backslash team. That's girlsgonegravel.com backslash team. Hope to see you there. You have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.